Hi, and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show, a podcast for counsellors and therapists. With me, Jane Travis, I'm an ex-counsellor that now helps other therapists to grow their practice and to attract more clients more easily. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome back. And if this is your first time here, it's really great to see you. I hope you have a good day so far. Now then, this is part two of the four-part mini-series all about neurodiversity. Last week I had Chris Oxborough with me and it was a really great podcast. We talked about lots. We looked at, you know, what even is neurodivergence? We looked at getting a diagnosis. We had a little chat about ADHD tax. We looked at fault versus repair. We looked at masking both internally and externally and the need to practice self-compassion. So look, if you haven't checked it out yet, I do urge you to go and take a listen. I know I learned a lot from it. So, you know, pop on over now. I'll wait for you. Now, this week, I have the fabulous Eve Menezes Cunningham. I'm struggling to say that name. You've no idea how many times I've tried to to record that. I've got Eve with me. Now, I've known Eve for some time, and she was in the Grow Your Private Practice membership. And I can tell you that she is one of the kindest people that you'll ever have the good fortune to meet. Now, she specialises in all things self-care. Now, she describes it as self-care for connecting with and taking better care of your highest, wisest, truest, wildest, most joyful, brilliant and miraculous self. I mean, how does that sound? It sounds fantastic, doesn't it? She authored 365 Ways to Feel Better, which is self-care ideas for embodied well-being. And she runs the membership called Feel Better Every Day. I'll put all the details of that in the show notes so you can go and check it out. Now, the problem is that it's not a problem, but Eva's got so much experience and knowledge that on her bio, it's like it's talking about so many different things. So go and check the bio out. I mean, Eve, Eve knows so much about so many things. But just to let you know, Eve's work has been featured in titles including Psychologies, Therapy Today, Coaching Today, The Financial Times, The Guardian. Evening Standard, Metro, Telegraph, and the Daily Mail. She's also a member of the IACP's editorial committee, and she edited the summer 2022 edition of the Irish Journal of Counselling and Psychotherapy. So, yeah, she's got lots and lots and lots of knowledge. She's based in Westport, which is the west coast of Ireland, and Eve works online and by telephone with clients and supervisees across the UK and Ireland with some nature-based outdoor sessions available in Westport. So can you see, that was just part of it. She's got so much experience and knowledge, which makes it really brilliant to be able to have a chat with her. So she's a very, very, very active person. So I'm talking to Eve today about how does she manage all of that whilst having ADHD? So we're going to chat about self-care and people-pleasing within the therapist community, We're going to look at the benefits of self-knowledge. We're going to look at the difference between addictive personality versus impulse control. We're going to explore the importance of rest and the benefits of yoga nidra. So yeah, take a listen. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Eve, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here today. And this is the subject that I think is going to be so useful for counsellors because self-care for therapists, it's we all know that we should do it. But do we always do it? So it's interesting, isn't it? So you've written a book about self-care. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book and 
Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I wrote 365 Ways to Feel Better, Self-Care Ideas for Embodied Wellbeing. And 2016 was the deadline. It came out 2017 um, with a small UK publisher. And um, it was my way of putting everything out there, all my weirdness in one little book, because it's a trauma-sensitive book. Um, I was kind of processing my own trauma in all the things I trained in initially. I was like kind of just trying to help myself. And then over the many, many years, it became a niche, holistic self-care, so focused in mind, body, heart and soul. And yeah, it, it was a delight to do. And I still work with all the tools myself. And I guess the reason I did it is because self-care is so much not a luxury for me. I need it. I need all these practices in order to help me just function. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? So often people think of self-care as bubble baths. Yeah. But as those are, that's not what proper robust self-care is, is it? Mm. I mean, Proper robust self care is sometimes things that you don't want to do. You're saying that I'm thinking so much of it is around setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. So much of it, yeah, it, it's a bit that's, I think there's a whole industry around it. And I realize it's a bit ironic me saying that when I've written a book about it and my whole practice is based around it. But my practice is helping people connect with their own self, their own like highest self. And their basic self-care, helping them listen to themselves. They don't need to buy any fancy products or it's all stuff we can do for ourselves. Mm. But I think often it is presented as if you buy this thing, then you can. And it's like, no, we've just been conditioned out of taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, It's quite interesting, isn't it? There was something on the telly the other day and it was some young girl who had been put, I can't remember exactly because my brain doesn't work very well, but she'd been poorly and part of being poorly is that she then raised money for other people that were poorly. And she was so praised for the fact that she put everybody else's needs in front of her own. It made me just suck my teeth a little bit because I thought she's being conditioned to think about everybody else before them and that, you know, that everybody was praising her so much. Yeah. I thought, well, is that how it starts when we get praised for doing something nice and then we carry on yeah. doing something nice for somebody else and our own needs get, like, waylaid? Somehow? And I, I think, yeah, I mean, like, in this field, like, we're therapists, aren't we? We know, like, kind of, I've got early, early memories of being praised, of being really good with my um, grandmother who was dying for, like, 10-plus years, and that meant just being really quiet and really still and looking back, I kind of wish that that little toddler me had been encouraged to have tantrums and express it all rather than having to be good from such an early age. Like kind of no disrespect to my family, like everyone's doing their best and all. But yeah, I think there's so much to everyone and the more we can allow all our different facets to come out, but the more we can, like that person you described that sounds potentially damaging, doesn't it? It's I do a lot of work around trauma and post-traumatic growth, but very much emphasising you work on yourself first. It's coming up for healing for you. It might be that the idea of at some point down the line using what you've been through to help others, brilliant, but you can't bypass the work that needs doing yourself in order to suddenly be there for others. Yeah. 
I mean, do you think that as a therapist, there are quite a lot of people pleasers? And that's not maybe the right term. I'm sorry if I'm being derogatory to anybody, but I know I can identify that, you know, I... I was people pleased. I was in rescuer mode in, you know, mm-hmm. in TA. Um, and that was how I got my my strokes, if you like. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think that that's something that is quite prevalent within, like, the counselling community? I think, like, for me, I started training as a counsellor because I was ready to delve deeper and I was scared of working with a counsellor. But I knew if I trained, I had to have therapy as part of that. And it, that it was basically a, oh, I need help, but I need to know, like, I need, I can't trust anyone else. I have to do it myself. But where you say about rescuer, I think there's an element of distrust in others and of like, you can only count on yourself. You have to. And that was actually a really healing part of my training, the whole rescuer. The, and I love the um, AC Choi's adaptation of the drama triangle, the rescuer, the victim, the perpetrator, and instead the rescuer becomes the carer, the victim becomes the vulnerable, and the persecutor becomes the assertive. So by working with those and recognising, like, I think a lot of counsellors, a lot of therapists would identify as victims and rescuers, but be very, oh, no, about perpetrator. Whereas if you think, actually, I am, it's not a bad thing to be caring. It's making sure it doesn't tip over into rescuing. Um, It's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing to be vulnerable. But again, you don't want to tip into victim. And it's an amazing thing that we can all keep learning to be assertive without becoming a perpetrator. Persecutor, I'm getting the terminology wrong. Persecutor, not perpetrator. But recognising that we all have it within us. But like you say, the conditioning, especially I think with women and people raised as women, it's like the people pleasing, the the keeping an eye out for others' needs. And yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's one of those things where, generally speaking, you know, women or the people in the female gender, I'm not quite sure how to say these things now, but, but it's very often like a completely different thing, like between the genders, that women do get the majority of caregiving roles and obviously the men. Something that I can remember doing in my training I'm going slightly off topic now, but one of the really interesting things, in fact, I'm not going to go off topic there. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that right there. Otherwise, we're going to go down a whole other, a whole other thing. Oh. So what I really love about you, Eve, is that you are such a spiritual person and I'm not really. So I always listen to, you know, you talking about spiritual things and it, I find it so interesting and it's definitely something that I want to look into a little bit more. So I think I'm going to have to buy your book. I don't think I've done oh. But something that I do want to just ask about is ADHD. Mm-hmm. The ADHD is something that's talked about a lot at the moment, which is yeah. a good thing. And you, you have ADHD or you, be, or you think that you have ADHD. Is that- yeah, I'm awaiting psychiatric assessment at the moment, but after years of people telling me and the more I've learned about it and working with clients and supervisees, also I had a brain scan in 2013 for um, aura migraines and they found a brain. Yay. Oh, wow. That's good. 
but the only what they called an abnormality correlated with ADHD. And at the time I dismissed it because it wasn't, I mean, it was the aura migraines that were the biggest issue. But I think with perimenopause, I think the three moves in five months when I moved to Ireland in 2019, that I was saying I was going to change my name to discombobulated because it took a good year or so. Like even now when I pack, there's that part of my brain that shuts down because it was so much, so many times I had nine days to pack up from the UK. It was chaotic. But that, I think, an extra decade plus of retraining my brain by being addicted to all my devices, being self-employed, working around the clock, all of that, I think it has had an impact. But then again, I also do daily yoga and meditation. And since asking my GP to refer me, I've started doing a daily yoga nidra myself because I've been facilitating them for years, but I wouldn't always indulge in them myself. But it's massively helpful because it helps with concentration and focus. It's that deep rest. It boosts dopamine by up to percent. It's a guided visualization, a guided meditation that translates as yogic sleep. And there's so much going on in terms of the instruction that you're your consciousness kind of drifts off and comes back, but you're constantly, the practice is to keep coming back to the instructions. And um, that has been really helpful. I've noticed a difference. And I'm conscious something you said about me being spiritual. I think with psychosynthesis, it's very much based on Eastern philosophies. So that ties in with my yoga, all the rest of it. But there's more to me than my ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it a helpful thing for me to have owned because there is so much like you and everyone else like type. But I think the more that's understood around neurodivergence, certainly the bulk of the people I know are more neurodivergent than neurotypical. Um, But it's something that like with anything, our anxious parts, our creative parts, our our, our people-pleasing parts, it's wonderful to own them, but remember that there's more to us than them. So the yoga nidra, again, it helps connect with that more limitless, expansive part. But just even when thinking about ADHD, thinking, okay, so that ADHD part would benefit from this, but not like, oh, I'm ADHD and there's no hope and I won't bother trying, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolute sense. I mean, I ADHD has been talked about a lot recently and I've mm-hmm. been looking into it myself because I can see a lot that really resonates with me. Yeah. And I talked to a friend of mine and said, you know, I think I might be, you know, I think, you know, ADHD is sounding very familiar to me. And she really poo-pooed it. She says, oh, God, everybody's just jumping on that. And it just left me going, oh, right, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> I just felt really awful. That feels really unfriendly I think it's really I think the more we all understand ourselves the more we can make accommodations the more we can support ourselves in ways that are gonna have big benefits and you wouldn't poo-poo like oh I've got a broken leg I need a crutch you wouldn't but I know for me it's been really beneficial to actually listen to what people were telling me and to own that part of myself and to work with it. So I've 
put, I've always been very, very organized, which goes against what you think of with ADHD. But as I understand more about it, that was because I had no working memory. So as far back as primary school, like infant school even, I was constantly like lists and being organized because I just didn't trust my brain. And I think the more I've understood about ADHD, it's like I've got my index card system, I've got my desk diary, I've got my phone appointments, I've got things set up in a way that work with me. And I think I spent so many decades beating myself up. I also, I drank way too much as a teenager, so I cured a lot of brain cells then. I've been sober since 2001, but I think... I used to beat myself up about not remembering things or not like, say, getting, you know, the security code and looking at my phone, trying to type in and having to do that maybe 10 times with a six digit number. Now it's just like, it's okay, Evie Cat. I call myself Evie Cat when I want to be kind to myself. Working with it is just so much more productive and beneficial than beating myself up for things that I thought were just me. But the more I'm understanding, actually, their symptoms yeah and I, I, to me I think that's the positive thing at the moment because there are more and more people learning about ADHD and thinking hang on that does sound like me and it's not a big negative thing it's not like mm. oh my god I've got ADHD that's terrible but it's like it's just literally learning a bit more about yourself so that you can then do the things that are going to help you like you've been talking yeah. about you know with the yoga practices and things like that yeah it, it there's Things that I already knew were massively beneficial, but then I didn't realise just how beneficial. I recently got this Garmin body battery watch that I literally, I unpacked it this week. I'd ordered it weeks ago when someone said, you need this. Her son has ADHD and she was saying, it's amazing. I was sending her screenshots of my body battery at like five or 11 out of a hundred and it's um, pretty dire. This morning I woke up and I think it was 60 something, 64. That's the highest it's been in the few days I've had it. But I know I have had a very stressful month. There's been an enormous amount going on. Just having it has me paying more attention to the advice that my acupuncturist and my herbal medicine person has been giving me because I started going for herbal medicine because brain fog was so bad a few years ago. So there are things that are around, I eat, and I'm vegan, but I eat a lot of processed like fake meats, not as much as I used to. I used to practically live on crisps, understanding that they do not help my brain with clarity and focus and concentration. So aiming to have them as a treat while also recognising I am an all or nothing person. And um, I used to call it addictive personality. Now I understand more about impulse control. And it's like, well, how can I support myself with that rather than spending yet more decades beating myself up for something that has always been the case? Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you say that and it's like, I'm just thinking, this sounds like me. You know, I had, I drank way too much. I'm, I'm sober now. I gave up about, only about five or six years ago, addictive personality. That's what I would say. I did, yeah. I get very, it was, and this is one of the, this is one of the quite good things. I think I throw myself into things. So I threw myself into my business to yeah. absolute nth degree and become obsessed with it. And then yeah. if I'm not careful, then I get burnout. I mean, is that how yeah. it is for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just remembering I joined your membership when I was in the process of moving my practice online before moving to Ireland. So around 2018. 
And I remember you kept saying, like, a confused brain always says no. (laughs) And I still remember that. And I know that I still confuse people (laughs) because I still have too many offerings. And I still, it's that kind of like, oh, I have a very expansive. um, And I remember like when I first started out in 2004, and I did some sort of like training and they were talking about picking one offering and really focusing on that. And I was like, okay. So I narrowed it down to six offerings to really focus on. <laughs> and looking back, I could have like taken one in turn over and over and over. But I really struggle to decide. I'm much, much better at it. But it's just knowing, okay, I do need a lot of stimulus I when I had COVID at the start of September I redesigned my website because I my partner was with me the first few days because he had it as well so we were self-isolating just watching kind of Disney films and like kind of resting as soon as he went I was like a naughty kid getting out of bed and back on the laptop because (laughs) I was too anxious to rest And I was aware of the work building up. And also my brain was not right. I could not, the COVID was really weird. So I thought, I know, I'll choose new colours. I'll choose, I chose a new template. Because of COVID brain, I temporarily lost my website. But when I got it back sorted, it was perfect for those two weeks, just every day, doing a good few hours, but in front of the telly, just in a very, watching the telly on its own would not have been stimulating enough. But that and the laptop... It was really, and in the past, it would be like, come on, Evie, all your work is around self-care, rest. Whereas this time, it's like, it's okay, Evie, this is how you're resting. And it was just very low, low brain need, but I got a lot done. Yeah. I've actually got a podcast about feast and famine, not feast and famine, that's not what it is at all. It's about, see, my brain doesn't work very well either. It's about, oh, it's about, right, I'll, I'll explain it. And I'll, if, if you're listening to this, I'll put put the details in the notes. It's about the fact that you've got two different types of, of day. You have a day mm-hmm. where you get on and you do all those things and you're like on fire. Then you have another day where it's like you, you just can't get into doing any of it. And I can't remember what it's called, but flow, ebb and flow, I think it is. Okay. And it's like when I have one of those days where I'm on fire and I'm working, it's fantastic. But then I have other days where I'm not. And so instead of forcing myself to sit here and basically procrastinating because my brain's not kind of wanting to play, I do exactly what you said. I go, I sit in the living room, I put the telly on and I do some jobs that don't take a lot of brain power, but I'm still doing some stuff. So yeah. I feel okay doing that. So, yeah, I, I kind of do the same. But it's also, I think, really, like, so much of my work has been around nervous system regulation since I did the yoga therapy training, like, around 2012. And understanding that with ADHD, the nervous system is that much more sensitive. So it really benefits from rest. It really, 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 really benefits from rest. And it really then like ADHD burnout is different to regular burnout because it's much shorter cycles. Mm. But recognizing that and thinking, okay, it it's it's listening to yourself, it's knowing from experience what you can't get away with anymore, and also recognizing just how much more wonderful life is when you're not burnt out and when you're like 
it kind of when you are taking better care of yourself and like when you're recognizing the consequences and yes but it's just a lifelong learning thing yes you know it's like you've you've got lots of experience about about self-care yourself but then there's this other element of actually what is the the right self-care for you under these circumstances and how can you know how can you keep learning about you and make your own self-care fit into your needs and I think a lot of it I mean, so much of it is self-compassion and self-acceptance. And you're saying that, and I did blog about it a few weeks ago because we'd gone to Norway. This was the first visit when my uncle was dying. And it was a long, long day of travel crossing Ireland and then like kind of going to Norway, did two flights. And when we were changing at the airport, they had a toy aeroplane. And I was low by that point. I was like running on empty and I saw this toy aeroplane. It was a children's playground, basically, in this airport gateway. And it was 11 o'clock at night. And I just thought, I'm going to go do some yoga or move. I know enough. I need to get stuff out of my body. Anyone, anxiety, stress, the more we get out of our body, the better. But especially with ADHD, it's so beneficial. And of course, with the yoga and as an adult, it's easier to control. But I thought, I'm just going to play so I climbed into this toy aeroplane with my 47 year old creaky joints not having done a proper yoga <laughs> practice all day at one point I thought okay I live here now <laughs> because how am I going to get out it lifted me because it was such a huge act of self-compassion and like looking around everyone in that gate they were ignoring the 47 year old woman <laughs> in the toy aeroplane I looked at my mother and waved and she just kind of put her head in her hands and like <laughs> hung her head like in even embarrassment but I thought you know what Evie that is exactly what you needed and it got me then to our final destination and it's that kind of thing whether it's a bit embarrassing or whether you need to sleep or whether you need to make sure you eat well whatever it is it's recognizing you are worthy of whatever it is that's going to support you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were going to give one piece of advice, maybe for a therapist that's experiencing ADHD or ADHD type symptoms, what would what do you think you would say to them when it comes to how, you know, how they might practice self-care? Okay, so first of all, you're saying one, my anxiety levels go through the roof. Just one. Just one. Okay, 100, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So the Yoga Nidra is wonderful. There are loads of free ones online. There are loads of free ones on my website and on my YouTube, but there are different styles. Find a voice you find relaxing in us. Me personally, I find relaxing music makes me feel homicidal, so I prefer no music in the background. It's too distracting for me. And again, I used to give myself a hard time over it. Now it's like, nope, I have that extra sensitivity to sound and that's okay. I'll listen to one where I like the voice and where it doesn't like have background music. So Yoga Nidra, it's just a wonderful, you can get a 10-minute one, you can get a 30-minute one, you can get a two-hour one. They're just wonderful and they are when I spoke to a clinical psychologist the other day at um it was the other week at an ADHD for therapist day and I told her what I was doing to manage my own it was wonderful to get that validation from her and she was a big fan of like mindfulness and yoga nidra and things like that so I think that but most of all with self-compassion because like I've been teaching them for, I was going to say hundreds of years, it's been like just over a decade, but 
I always tell people just to sometimes with a physical practice, we're stronger, we're more flexible, we've got better balance or um, not maybe, um, strength. So our physical state varies. Similarly, our concentration and focus varies. Some days you may be able to do the whole thing with relative ease. Other days you might feel like you're failing at it. You're never failing at it. It's just a matter of keep bringing yourself back to the instructions and let yourself be supported by the practice. Let it nourish you. So that if it appeals, but most of all, just get to know yourself, get to know how you feel best like you've learned about taking the laptops in front of the telly and that helps on those days it's enough to keep and you're not on fire it's all good but you know that there'll be other times when you're much more creative much more energized and you'll do those so getting to know our own rhythms and I think trusting like for me I'll often if I'm running on empty and if it's and this is something I learned from rainbow my cat we don't know that's <laughs> that's eve's cat rainbow magnificat <laughs> so when we first moved to ireland my second place my studio rental was essentially it was a glorified shed really i had a sleep cupboard and a um, sleep cupboard yeah and it was very hectic and I was struggling with all the moves and the huge change I didn't know anyone in Ireland at the time my family had followed me but it was very new and Rainbow spent an enormous amount of time under the duvet and um, because of the work I did around nervous system regulation I would join her and I would like just give myself I was trying to sort out admin stuff like life admin getting my identity stuff sorted all kinds of issues I had no signal there I was way out of town it was too far really to cycle and I really learned from her just join her under the duvet hold pause let my breath come down let my heart rate come down and then it would be okay I'd be and I still do it sometimes I still I think you know what there's too much going on sometimes it will be like I'm going to go for a bike ride and swim and other times it's like, I'm going to join Rainbow under the duvet. Or if she's not there, I'm going to go under the duvet and see if she wants to join me. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it just it just sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And it's so often in society, it's all about hustling and pushing yeah. forward. And it's like, yeah. sometimes for me, recently, I've been going through some personal stuff. The best thing for me is when I'm really not feeling very good, just go and sleep. Yeah. Just sleep. Yeah. <laughs> feel better far faster if you just go and sleep. If you allow yourself to rest. And I think that's where the yoga nidra is really helpful, where I think just sleep, but I know that I'm too wired to sleep. Yeah. So the instructions help me come into that. Or I often do a really simple, if I wake up in the night and I'm struggling to sleep, it would be as well as connecting with the breath, deepening the breath, that longer exhalation to support rest digest. I'll just go, thank you, toes, thank you, feet, thank you, ankles, and just work up the body. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's they're all practices, and it's figuring what's going to be best in any given moment. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And also, if you don't mind me saying, being more forgiving of myself when I end up starting work before nine and finishing work at 2.30, like I did a few nights ago, because... I'd been away, I haven't had the time, I had to do it, and I was going away the next day again. 
and it's far from ideal. I know it sends everything off, kind of it becomes, it's not sustainable, but there's no point when you have to do very long days. It's part of being self-employed. It's it's like, yeah, in an ideal world, it would be more measured. It would be more, whereas sometimes you just have to do all the things. And that too is self-care. Exactly. It's self-care to, to make your business run. Yeah, not let it go under. Yeah. So although that yeah. is that's part of the not so pleasant self care, yeah. isn't it? Because it's like, right, I really do have to go and do this. Yeah. And and making that happen and that yeah, that is a part of self care too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's all about self compassion. Whatever you choose to do, give yourself some grace around it. Yeah. Absolutely. Eve, I've had a lovely time talking to you. That's so, for me, who's not a very spiritual person, to, speaking to someone who is a spiritual person, I just always learn so much and it makes me, I'm constantly trying to, you know, open my, have, get a bit broader, get a bit more of a broader, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to open that part of me and just practice being in a more spiritual place. So it's lovely talking to you. I'm definitely, I've been making some notes. I'm going to go and check out what this, Garmin body batteries does. Yeah. I'm going to have a look at the yoga and maybe if you could give me a link, I can yeah. show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So selfcarecoaching.net has loads and I have an ADHD page as well, if right. that's of interest for people. Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, okay. Eve, thank you so much. It's always lovely speaking to you. And thank you. Just so before much. I go, you do have a podcast yourself at the moment, don't you? Yes, I am in production. Thank you so much for being one of my first guests. I still haven't published any of them. I'm in post-production, which means I am in the process of figuring out how on earth to get it from the gorgeous interviews, which have been one of the favourite things I've ever done professionally. It's been such a delight to figuring out how to edit it and how to make it all public. So, yeah, but the Feel Better Everyday podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I like your format for the podcast. It's a specific format, isn't it? Which yes. I fantastic. And I'm really oh, listening. Thank you. you. Want to tell us what your format is? Yeah, happy to. So my practice is Feel Better Every Day. And the podcast is talking to different professionals in areas that encourage self-care so I've got like a dance instructor I've got therapists I've got coaches I've got neuroscientists doctors nurses like loads of different people and we're all talking about our ideal like all the things we know we ought to be doing or know we feel better when we do do I I hate the word should but all the things we know we feel better for but which aren't practical on a day-to-day basis necessarily. And then just picking out like kind of essential self-care. So the idea is that listeners will feel less overwhelmed and they'll recognise, yeah, there are loads and loads of options, but ultimately everyone knows themselves best. Pick one thing that works for you, build on it. Perfect. Yeah. It was, yeah, I really enjoyed coming on there. So again, thank you for that. So, yeah, thank you so much, Eve. I've really enjoyed this and I'm going to ask you to come on again sometime. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure and it's a joy to reconnect with you. Lovely. Oh, bless you. See, I told you that she's amazing. Now, I could talk with Eve for hours and I just love talking to someone that's a very spiritual person 
because, you know, I'm not very spiritual at all. So I, I just love learning, you know, looking at things in different ways. So look, be, be sure to check out her resources, which I'm going to include in the show notes. And, you know, remember to work on your own self-compassion. So yeah, so next week, next week's guest, it's episode three of this four-part miniseries. I have the lovely Tracy Clark coming. Now, Tracy's just a fantastic person and she's going to share her experience of dyslexia and ADHD and she's going to share some practical things that she's put in, in place to help herself. So keep an eye out for that one. Now then, thank you so much for tuning into the Grow Your Private Practice show. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay updated on my latest content, please be sure to hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast platform because by subscribing, you'll never miss an episode and you'll always be the first to know when I release new content. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button and let's continue to grow your private practice together. Have a fantastic week and see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And if you're ready to take action to grow your practice, check out growyourprivatepractice.co.uk. Bye for now.